Hi everyone, welcome to Pain and Power, an African American history podcast. I'm your host, Queen. Hey guys, welcome and welcome back. Pain and Power, episode 24, Frederick Douglass, part one. Okay, so I only wanted this to be just a one-part episode, just one and done. But I can't even tell y'all how long I've been <laughs> on Frederick Douglass' story. Like, and still not done. Like, he has so much going on. And again, Pain and Power and African American History Podcast is just more so like short storytelling. <laughs> so, not to say that I'm trying to take away anyone's accomplishments or achievements. I just like to condense the story. And if there's any further information that you would like... You can research further. I will link all sources in the show notes. And also, come back, you guys, for part two, because this is Frederick Douglass part one. So this is going to be a two-part episode. Okay, so Frederick Douglass, American reformer, abolitionist, orator, writer, and statesman, he crawled so Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X could walk, okay? Um, the best writer, a great speaker, a very bombastic voice. And what I mean by bombastic voice is that was one of the things that made him a great orator, um, a, a person that give a great speech, not so much as the speech being great, but the way he delivered it with his voice and his delivery. Okay, um, I can only imagine. Um, so Frederick Douglass was the definition of a made man. He taught himself to read. He had the courage to escape slavery and was honest with himself and others as possible. Anyone that knows me knows that I have this joke about myself, okay? Um, <laughs> whenever I wash my hair, it's like compressed. And I used to always be like, I look like Frederick Douglass, you know. But upon researching him and, you know, reading his story and reading passages about his life, um, the joke is on us because the gag is, while I was alluding to like coarse, thick, quote unquote, nappy like hair, Frederick Douglass hair texture couldn't have been as coarse as it looked um, because his father was a Caucasian man, um, allegedly. Okay, so I was just assuming that the texture of his hair was just like rough and coarse or whatever, but he had to have like maybe some fine coils up in there, you know, up on that noggin of his. So Frederick Douglass was born 1818. And research, um, I am not my hair. Okay, okay, so in research, the year has been unclear between 1817 and 1818, um, but Frederick Douglass himself being unclear with the whole year as to when he was born. So we're going to go with the year 1818. And as far as the month, um, it's the February. So Frederick Douglass was born February 1818. Um, because it was always known that his birthday was in February, the exact date that was unclear, but his mother used to always call him her little Valentine. Um, so, and we all know Valentine's Day is February 14th. Okay. So 
Frederick Douglass was born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey. He was born into slavery by an enslaved mother, Harriet Bailey, and in Tuckahoe, Talbot County, Maryland. <laughs> and that's off the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay. Um, the plantation was between Hillsborough and Cordova. If that rings with anyone, like that location. Um, I've never been on the East Coast. Can't tell you nothing about Maryland and the Chesapeake Bay. Um, but the slave owner, Aaron Anthony, was rumored to father young Frederick, um, who was separated for his, from his mother at birth. It's so sad that enslaved black women couldn't use the milk that their bodies produced to nourish their own babies, but instead used to nourish the slaveholders' children. Um, when Frederick was taken away from his mother as an infant, he grew up on a plantation 12 miles away. He was raised by his grandmother, um, by his grandparents, actually. Um, a group of individuals once argued that slaves lacked the intellectual capacity to function as independent American citizens, and Frederick Douglass begged to differ. In his lifetime, okay, before I even move further, so Frederick Douglass was raised by his grandparents in another plantation 12 miles away from where his mother was. And in the research, it said that she was able to come see her son and spend a little time with him. And actually, Frederick's grandmother was an enslaved woman, but his grandfather was free, like a free man. Um, and it's crazy how married couples could be like that, like one person be free, one person still be enslaved. Um, that was just real crazy. The system is messed up. So, um, yeah, as I was saying, a group of individuals once argued that slaves lacked the intellectual capacity to function as independent Americans, basically saying that American citizens, basically saying that slaves, um, aka black people, just couldn't have the mental capacity to function as on their own so they had to be owned and controlled by somebody else hence the slaveholders and white folks okay so frederick douglas begged to differ in his lifetime he wrote three autobiographies describing his experience as a slave um the narrative of the life of frederick douglas an American slave that was published in 1845 my bondage my freedom published in 1855, and Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, first published in 1881 and revised in 1892. Without his permission, um, Frederick Douglass became the first African-American nominated for vice president of the United States as the running mate of Victoria Woodhull on the Equal Rights Party ticket. Um, okay, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Um what was a joke then, a woman and a Negro on the ballot is very much possible today. Okay, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. But sadly, racism, women's suffrage, equal rights is still all a problem today. So, you know, what can I say? And so I said, okay, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, because when back when Hillary was running for president, they were saying, you know, it just reminded me of like a woman for president and a black person as her vice president, which would have been Barack Obama if they would have got him to agree to run that way. But of course, he had two terms. Um, and fast forward today, I said, OK, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, because look, um, 
of course, a white male president. But what's different is a black African-American female vice president. So that would that was such a joke back then, like a woman running for president and then a black guy running as her running mate. And now today is very much possible. Um, so, but like I said, sadly, racism, women's suffrage, equal rights is still all a problem today. Um, I believe Frederick Douglass knew the importance of communication. He was very much a union steward. <laughs> like if he worked any company, he would have been a good union steward, okay? The communication between the people and the man. Um, so after being criticized for his willingness to engage with slave owners, he was quoted saying, quote, I would unify with anybody to do right and with nobody to do wrong, end quote. So he's saying, like, even if we, you know, don't necessarily come from the same background and I, we come from places where my people are, you know, being in bondage and suffer under the hands of your people, to do the right thing, I will negotiate and I will talk to you and I will be able to come to a common ground. And it, that's really hard for some people to do So because coming to an understanding in a place of freedom, in a place of peace, people have to put their ego and their pride aside. Um, Douglas was of mixed race, um, which his mother which on his mother's side included Native American, um, African, and European descent, meaning that she was probably the product of rape by the person who enslaved her mother. Frederick's grandmother was a slave, but his grandfather was free, as I stated already. Um, Frederick's mother was able to visit him a few times. She passed away when he was around seven years old. And at the age of six years old, Douglas was separated from his grandparents and was sent to the um, to a different plantation. Um, and this plantation was pretty big, um, a 42,000-acre land that enslaved more than a 1,000 people and known for its brutal conditions. Um, Aaron Anthony worked there as an overseer, and he was allegedly Frederick Douglass' father. <laughs> so um, that don't mean that conditions for him was probably lenient or better than others, because it's, it's like throughout history, slave owners and overseers raped the slave women and produced children and they just turn the other cheek. It's just like, yeah, that's my child, but it's still a slave, you know, so it's not my child. If he even outwardly even said that out loud ever before, you know. Um, so Aaron Anthony died in 1886. Young Frederick was then given to Lucretia Ald, um, the wife of Thomas Ald, and then sent to young Frederick. Okay, so they sent young Frederick to serve Thomas Ald. So this is like an Ald family where I guess they just saying, oh, well, I, got, I got a slave. I don't need his services. So as a present to my relatives, I'm going to pass this young slave off as a present because they could really use his help in hand. Um, but yeah, that is just so sick. I get through vomit in my mouth for even speaking on this, you guys. Um, a very hard pill to swallow. So young Frederick served the old family um in Baltimore. That's where he was last sent. Um, before he parted ways with the family. So 
Um, who all had a wife named Sophia who made sure that Douglas, you know, had basic things like decent clothes and food. And he was also given a bed to sleep in with sheets and a blanket. And, and that's as opposed to sleeping out in the cold using a sack for a cover, a sackcloth for a cover, sleeping out in a barn with the animals almost, um, never having proper shelter. So he felt like he was like in a pretty decent situation, like, well, at least they, this family has the decency, you know, to let me get a bed and some clean clothes. But Douglas described Sophia as a kind and tender-hearted woman who treated him as a human being. So Douglas felt, you know, like this was his first time. This was his first time coming in contact with people of, you know, Caucasian descent that were slaveholders and things like that that treated him halfway decent. Um, he felt lucky to be in Baltimore. Being in a city made him feel like slaves were almost free men. Like they wasn't so um, held tight. I guess um, what am I trying to say? Like, okay, so being being like, and I I want to say countryside <laughs> on these plantations, like you had no room to move to speak to grow, to do nothing. And being in a city in Baltimore, he felt like slaves moved a bit more freely as opposed to how they would have been allowed to move at being on a plantation. Um, so when Douglas was around 12 years old, Sophia all began teaching him the alphabet and her husband, Hugh, he was, he disapproved. He didn't like the tutoring. He felt that literacy would only encourage slaves to desire freedom. And Douglas referred to this as the first decidedly anti-slavery lecture he had ever heard. So he he listening, you know, because he's a quote-unquote slave, but he's also a human being. He has ears he can hear. So he hearing this husband tell his wife, like, don't teach him the alphabet, you know, um, literacy will only encourage slaves to desire freedom. So, Hugh's opposition was too late because young Frederick's mind was already reeling. Like, he already had the wheels running in his mind. Like, okay, if knowledge unfits a child to be a slave, then the direct pathway from slavery to freedom is to learn. <laughs> so, if if I can't, if I learn some stuff and I gain knowledge and that don't qualify me to be a slave no more, I'm finna learn as much as I could possibly learn. So good thing he had this revelation because soon Sophia Alts, she started, she was influenced by her husband's behavior and she stopped teaching young Frederick the alphabet. She even took it a step further and locked away all the reading material from him. Um, at this point, Frederick secretly began teaching himself to read and write. Douglas realized that knowledge was the pathway from slavery to freedom. Um, Douglas began reading anything he can get his hands on, newspapers, pamphlets, political material, books of all kinds and descriptions. His new way of thinking led him to condemn and question the institution of slavery. So as time went on, Douglas you know, hired out different men on the behalf of Thomas Ault. Well, he was hired out two different men on the behalf of Thomas Ault. So Thomas Ault, like, this is my slave. I own him, but for a small fee, he can come work for you and do little eyes and ends. 
disgusting, okay? Um, so he sent Douglas to work for a man who was considered a slave breaker, okay? He whipped and beat Douglas so often the wounds never had time to heal. Douglas recalled those whippings as breaking his body, soul, and spirit. And I guess that's what they meant by a slave breaker. Like, I'm just going to beat you till you just feel like you ain't got no <clears throat> no room left in you. Excuse me. Um, so Douglas was only 16 at the time and he began fighting back. And after winning a physical confrontation, um, the slave breaker never tried to beat him again. And his name was Edward Convey. And Douglas first attempted to to escape slavery. His first attempt was unsuccessful in 1837. And Douglas met a woman named Anna Murray and in Baltimore at this time. He was still in Baltimore. Um, so he had took that. So I'm trying to think. Um, Oh, okay. So it's still in the um, state of Maryland. Okay, you guys, excuse me. Okay, so Anna Murray was a free woman and five years older than Frederick Douglass. And he, her freedom was what motivated him to yearn for his. It gained him the confidence to feel like he can be free also. Anna Murray encouraged and supported his efforts to be a free man. She aided his efforts and provided him with money. On September 3rd, 1838, Douglas successfully escaped slavery. So his first attempt on his own was unsuccessful. So when he got a, a woman behind him, beside him, she helped him and then he successfully escaped. He boarded a northbound train of um that was heading to Philadelphia, um, and the Baltimore, and it was running down the Baltimore Railroad. Um, he was dressed in a sailor's uniform because the credentials that he had were that of, uh, um, uh, um, I want to say a Marine. If I'm wrong, I, I come back and correct myself, guys. Um, so he was dressed in a sailor's uniform, and that helped aid in his escape. His escape led him to New York City. Um, the entire journey to freedom took less than 24 hours. Upon arrival in New York, Douglas sent for his, his woman, Anna Murray, and she brought the basics for them to set up a home. And the two married September 15, 1838. The couple settled in New Bedford, Massachusetts. By this time, Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey was just simply Frederick Douglass. He adopted plenty of surnames before, and Douglass is what he had settled on. Douglass began looking for a church home. He wanted to join a white Methodist church, but changed his mind because it was segregated. He later joined an African-American Methodist church, in which Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman were members. Douglas became a licensed preacher in 1839, which helped his speaking skills. Douglas was encouraged by William Lloyd Garrison to become an anti-slavery lecturer. In 1843, Douglas worked, he embarked on a six-month tour throughout the eastern and midwest United States. During this tour, slavery supporters harassed and beat Douglas and broke his hand. It didn't heal correctly and it bothered him for the rest of his life. I'm thinking nerve damage. Douglas was fed up with America. 
1845 is when his first autobiography was published. It was written during his time living in Lynn, Massachusetts. It was such a great work of literature, very eloquent. A lot of skeptics didn't believe it was the product of a black man. The book received positive reviews and became an immediate bestseller. Within three years, it had been reprinted nine times with 11,000 copies circulating it the United States. The book was also translated into French and Dutch and published in Europe. My Bondage, My Freedom followed in 1855, and in 1881, Douglas was in his 60s and published Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, which he revised in 1892. So remember, guys, Douglas did escape from slavery, so all this newfound fame was drawing a lot of attention to him. His colleagues and mentors was like, not too much, okay? Like, we don't want, you know, Hugh all to come and claim his quote-unquote property. Um, Douglas was encouraged to tour Ireland, and so on August 16, 1845, he set sail for Liverpool, England. At the time, Ireland was experiencing the Great Famine, which was a period from 1845 to 1852. It was a historical social crisis of starvation and disease. Douglas was feeling free from racial discrimination. He found it a great feeling to be able to dine at the same table with white people and no one be offended. Douglas spent two years in Ireland and in Great Britain, lecturing in churches and chapels. During this time, Douglas became legally free. A few of his British supporters raised money to buy his freedom. Douglas' wife was still in Massachusetts, so he was eager to go back home to the United States. When he returned home, he published his first. He published his newspaper, the North Star, um, which the operation of the North Star was being held in the basement of a church in Rochester, New York. The North Star's motto was, "Quote: Right is of no sex, truth is of no color." God is the father of us all, and we are all brethren, end quote. Douglas and his wife were participants in the Underground Railroad, providing shelter and resources to more than 400 escaped slaves. And with that, guys, I'm going to end Frederick Douglass Part 1. Please um, tune in for Part 2. Um, um, probably try to drop that next week. And if I don't do part two next week, I will do another story that I had scheduled and I'm going to do part two after that story. But hopefully I can stay on track, you guys. Um, but pictures can be found on the Instagram at Pain Power Podcast. Um, if you have any messages and suggestions, please send all messages and suggestions to the email at painpowerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, all, um, research will be linked in the show notes. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, stay tuned, um, for part two. I'm trying to think, is it anything else I wanted to say to you guys? Um, think, 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 think. No, that's it though, guys. Um, thank you guys for listening. That's the most important part. Um, it's Queen. I love you guys. Peace out.